Welcome to the Side Hustle to Small Business podcast powered by Hiscox. I'm your host, Sanjay Parekh. Throughout my career, I've had side hustles, some of which have turned into real businesses. But first and foremost, I'm a serial technology entrepreneur. In the creator space, we hear plenty of advice on how to hustle harder and why you can sleep when you're dead. On this show, we ask new questions in hopes of getting new answers. Questions like, how can small businesses work smarter? How do you achieve balance between work and family? How can we redefine success in our businesses so that we don't burn out after year three? Every week, I sit down with business founders at various stages of their side hustle to small business journey. These entrepreneurs are pushing the envelope while keeping their values. Keep listening for conversation, context, and camaraderie. Jennifer Stein founded her business, Fortune Web Marketing, in 2007. 15 years later, Jennifer's company has grown to become a full-service internet marketing company with 18 employees. Here today to share the story of her business and share more about how she balances life, family, and her team is Jennifer Stein. Jennifer, welcome to the show. I'm excited to have you on today. Thank you so much, Sanjay. I appreciate you guys. So uh, let's start with uh, giving just a little bit of background about who you are and where you come from uh, to the listeners. Okay. Um, so my name, like you mentioned, is Jennifer, also known as Jenny. So if you call me Jenny, I will not be offended at all. Um, and actually, I was born and raised in New Jersey, um, went to school at uh, Penn State, got my master's from NYIT, worked in the financial services industry uh, in New York City for a very long time, maybe 11 years, and then decided that didn't want to do that anymore. So we decided to start Fortune Web Marketing. So it's, you know now we have four offices from coast to coast, 18 people pretty much seven departments within and a brand new video and live stream production company as well. Awesome. So uh, 11 years working for kind of a big company. What was it that made you say, hey, I, this isn't for me. It's, it's time to move on. So it was 11 years with that one company. Um, and before that, I would say it was probably five or six years in, uh, in Philly, you know, other other companies in the New York City metro area as well. But the reason that I left, um, it's really not the most positive story. Um, but being a young woman in the financial services industry working on New York City, there were a lot of hardships um, kind of uh, against women in the workplace, right? So yeah. it just got to the point where, you know, I can't really complain. I had a million different um, mentors, you know, along the way, but it got to the point where you just realized, you know, unless you did something completely drastic in that industry, in that city, you know, surrounded by the people you were surrounded with, things weren't going to change. And I realized right. I had way more potential than they were allowing many, many women in my company to have. So I decided yeah. that I was going to achieve that potential and start my own business. Yeah. So what is it that made you think, um, the path for you at that point was starting your own business instead of saying, hey, I need to find another job at a place that's that values me better. Um, I think my very uh, I'm very strong willed and I'm very independent and I figured I could do a lot better job if I didn't have the restraints and constrictions and the low ceilings that most people are given, especially women at that time in the corporate world. So I kind of wanted to just break out of all of that and see what potential I really had inside of myself. Yeah. Did, did you have a model of entrepreneurship like in the family? Is, is somebody else in your family an entrepreneur? Did you do anything entrepreneurial um, as you were growing up? 
Well, I mean, I, I think I, I always had a job since I was like 11, right? So I've always had, I've always had that work ethic, but my father does own a small business. Um, he's actually an antiquarian book dealer, meaning that he sells first editions, antique books, uh, signed copies, things of that nature. So he's always had his own business since I was about two or three, you know? So other than that, my mother was a teacher and a social service director. And, you know, my stepfather grew up in uh, the like, you know, board of education and being a teacher and social services worker himself. So no, I really didn't have uh, many entrepreneurs in the family except for my dad. Yeah. Did you ever work in the bookstore? Did you ever help out there? Yes, I did work in the bookstore. Mm -hmm, I did. Um, There's a little tiny beach town along the Jersey shore called Ocean Grove. um, And he had a store there to start. Then he moved it back downtown to Asbury Park, next town over here on the Jersey shore. And I worked in both, both places. Very interesting. You learn, you learn a lot. You know, I'm very good at like literature categories on Jeopardy. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> That's great. So I, I got to ask you, so a lot of people, uh, especially when they're kids, they work in stores, um, you know, retail or not, they end up uh, hating those things. So I got to ask you, do you still love the smell or hate the smell of, of books? I love it so much that I refuse to read a book on any type of ebook platform, like a Kindle, for example, <laughs> I need to feel it. I need to smell it. I need to touch it. And I just think it would be complete disrespect if I went the ebook route, you know, to my father. <laughs> well, I, I got to say, I do read ebooks as well, but there is something definitely different when you've actually got a physical, because I read physical books too. Um, there, there's something different about that and the experience of it and the, and, and how much you kind of glean um, out of the book versus versus digitally, but um, mm-hmm. okay, uh, I think we could talk about books for a long time, but but let's get back to your business. So um, you you said something interesting before. You said we started this, so it sounds like it's not just you that started this business. Do you have a co-founder or somebody else that helped you along the way? I did. I had a co-founder when we first started for only about two years, um, and then we separated the companies. I was running his software company and doing marketing for his other businesses um, as well. And we sort of parted ways when we realized the direction was different. Um, But I think I will always say we, because I don't consider my companies mine. I consider them my colleagues. And that's another word people might not use to describe their staff or employees, but they're my colleagues. You know, they don't work for me. They work with me. And this is ours, not mine. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I love that mindset. It's it's a great way of thinking about the team that you're on because it really is a team when you're um, in the early days, especially. So let, let's talk about those early days when you when you jumped off to do this. This was your first time starting a company. Um, how did you get started? Like, how did you find clients? How did you decide that this is what you wanted to do? That you wanted to do marketing and you also did software. It sounds like. How did you decide those things? Well, um, I've I've always done marketing almost from day one, um, even you know, in Philadelphia, New York City, et cetera. Um, honestly, it was um, my business partner at the time was in an industry that needed um, a lot of marketing help, a lot, a lot of marketing help. Um, it was more like on the distribution supply side of things like office supplies, office furniture, break room supplies, that type of thing. And at the time, there was over 3,000 independent dealers just in the US, not even including Canada. And they were 
they didn't have websites, you know, they did not have a marketing plan. They were still like door to door, you know, here's your big catalog this thick and fax your orders in or call them to me, you know. So we, we kind of hit that industry first. And that is still a huge cornerstone of our business to this day, that supply side distribution angle, um, you know, on the B2B sector of things. Um, but uh, it was just a lot of work, you know, I was thrown into speaking gigs and educational seminars across the US and that wasn't my thing and now I can do it with my eyes closed. I was thrown into sales again wasn't my thing but I think I'm okay at it now, you know. So um just a lot of hard work and you know being terrified of failing at something like the sales and the you know training sessions across the US um that scared me. But you have to do it, right? You know, it's your baby. You want to make this successful and I was not going back to the Wall Street, New York City corporate world. So just threw myself into it, learned from my mistakes, celebrated the successes and moved on. Did, did you make a clean break from working and then starting this up or did they overlap for any period of time? Clean break, which was also terrifying because I took about a 50% pay cut as well. Yeah. So how did, mm-hmm. you, how did you fund it then initially? Did you have a client already lined up or... It was my business partner at the time. Um, really, uh, he gave me a laptop and said, go. <laughs> you know? So there were some people on his end that helped with accounting. And I learned uh, all about that, you know, on my own as well. Started doing my books by myself. You know, um, I, I grew up teaching myself how to code and all these search engine optimization techniques. So I, you know, whenever we were could hire part-time people, I would train them. And then they would come on full time. Um, but it was a huge pay cut for several years. And I took my laptop and, and I went. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, so how did you, so it's, it's 15 years now that you've built it up. Um, obviously those first couple of years were really tough. How did you figure out like that whole process of, um, you know, wh- which one do I do first? Do I go find a client? Do I hire people? Like, how do I piece together? all of these pieces, because it's almost a chicken and egg problem, right? Uh, you go get a client, but then you don't have the people to serve it. But if you have the people to serve it and you don't have a client, you can't pay them. And you know, like all of these things are interrelated. So how did you think about kind of that continuum? Um, in the beginning, it was really easy. I needed to find clients because I knew I could do it all. Right. And then again, it was just long, long days and really, you know, starting it. But our focus when we first started was really, you know, search engine optimization, um, you know, paid advertising on the Google ads, Bing ad side, all stuff that I'm certified in and know how to do. I know how to code. I know how to write, you know, actually writing is my passion. I sh- One day I will become an author, right? But not yet. Um, so and, really and somebody will collect the first edition of that book somewhere in some, uh, some book. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Maybe I'll sign it too. Um, but yeah, it was just find clients and then service them. Uh, it didn't take long. Um, before we were able to get, um, we hired interns at first. And honestly, that was really our strategy is find interns. And um, from there, we train them. Uh, you really can't even back back then, it was even more difficult than today. There's not a lot of options for like, an online marketing degree, right? Even the classes that they you take in college are like, they're wildly 
ineffective, you know, even to this day, like they'll teach you principles and about buyer personas, but you sit somebody down who's getting their degree in online marketing and say, build me a Google ads campaign. And they have no idea what you're talking about. You know, they're like, Oh, well, we, I did a simulation of it. I'm like, that's not going to help here and probably not ever. Right. So, um, it really was get interns and train them. And that's what we did. And then eventually they became part-time and then they became full-time. Yeah, that's great. So um, you said something there uh, talking about, and and this is a, a normal story of, of founders, is those long days that end up happening, especially in the early days. Um, how did you think about that in terms of your own wellness and sleep and exercise and, and fitting these in? And, and how has that changed from then to now? <laughs> so didn't really think of that much. Um, I was young back then and just going, going, going. Um, you know, always found time to try to like take a vacation here or there, a couple of days off or an hour off, you know, every so many days. But um, I am not the best at that. I am not going to lie. Um, not at all. And ever since the pandemic, um, you know, we've had some business changes and business circumstances right before the pandemic as well. So for the last five years, it really, there really hasn't been too much of a focus on myself. Um, anything that I, time I do have for goes right into my son and my family. Um, and, uh, you know, I always like to say, you know, people that own a business don't take vacations, you know, we like, we might travel and we might, you know, throw an extra day here or there, but we are always on, we're always getting texts. We're always getting emails. We can't not check our email, you know, like the buck stops with you, you know? So, you know, unless it's like a physical store, you can hang the thing on the door. And even then you're not really off, off, you know, you've got, orders you need to place for the next week or, you know, whatever the case might be. So I like to say, you know, entrepreneurs really never get time off and that's okay, you know, because we can make our own schedule. Um, but coming out of the pandemic, it's been rough. Um, you know, you do try to make time for yourself as much as possible. And I think I should be back on track with that by the end of the year, but it is not my strong suit at all. <laughs> so. Yeah. I, I think this is definitely a, a common story with founders and entrepreneurs um, because it is, it, you're exactly right. It, it's tough. Like, uh, you know, I've gone on family vacations and it's like, I still have to take my laptop with me because, you know, if, if I don't, and I come back after even a couple of days or a week or two weeks, it's unbearable. It's just how much it, it would take, you know, weeks and weeks to dig out from, and probably things yeah. have gotten missed uh, in the interim. So mm-hmm. how do you, how do you think about those boundaries then? Like you, you talked about spending time with your son and, and family, like, what does that mean? Do you make sure that, hey, I don't check my phone during dinner? Like, what, what, what are the things that are like, these are bright lines for me that I, I this is a boundary that I'm not going to cross? So um, we definitely don't use our phones during dinner. Um, we try not to use our phones right before, you know, my son's bedtime, not saying I don't get online, you know, and start working after he goes to bed. I do. Um, we do have a family little ritual during dinner where we watch Jeopardy. Uh, my son is 10, but he loves Jeopardy and he's actually pretty good at it. Sometimes he even beats me and I'm just like, what are you going to be like when you're like 18 or even 16 or 13 for that matter? You know? Um, but, uh, we, we try to put our, we always put our phone downs at meals. Um, you know, if we, uh, we do a lot of, um, like hiking in the woods and, you know, vacations and stuff. And I would say it's hard to keep your phone down because that's where our cameras are and everything is documented through that, you know, but we, um, but we try to limit screens when we're doing things together as a family. 
Yeah, that's great. Um, that's great. It sounds like he sh he should maybe uh, start getting ready for like college Jeopardy uh, thing, right? Don't they have that? I think they've yes, got college they Jeopardy. Yeah, they still do. Yeah, they used to have I, I kids Jeopardy, and we looked into it. They don't do that anymore. But he's like, oh, I could do this in college. I'm like, yes, you can. <laughs> <laughs> that's what yeah. I, that's what I was gonna say. I, I vaguely remember the kids Jeopardy thing, but I haven't seen it in a long time. So, mm -hmm. um, uh, it sounds like he's he's getting ready for that. Support for this podcast comes from Hiscox committed to helping small businesses protect their dreams since 1901. Quotes and information on customized insurance for specific risks are available at Hiscox.com. Hiscox, the business insurance experts. So let's talk about how you kind of scale this business. You're at now the point where you've got um, offices all through the U.S., um, and obviously it was very different from when you started, you know, it was just basically you, um, and, and maybe a partner and kind of getting going, what kind of, uh, systems or apps or technologies have you put in place to help you kind of make it, make that transition and grow over time? Um, um, I think across both companies, um, we have really great project management systems. Um, we also have, uh, I, I'm going to tell you like, really, really great managers of each department who are fantastic uh, at just project managing and keeping everything in check. So I would say our project management systems, um, the on the video production side of things, we really invested in a lot of like brand new Sony cameras. Um, we're, we're migrating to Mondays, um, the project management system, which is really good for video editing and video production. Um, and we have, you know, Sling Studio and Restream.io for our um, our streaming capabilities. And we're actually probably moving to like a more live view. I don't know if you've ever heard of that L-I-V-E-U model um, for a lot of our video production and streaming services. Um, and honestly, you know, with us, it's really about, it's honestly about the project management, right? Because we have to know how to code and build in 25 different web development systems from WordPress to Shopify and everything, you know, in between. So for us, it's the it's the project management software. Um, we use a plethora of email marketing tools. We use a uh, we use a lot of scheduling tools for social media. We use a lot of competitive analysis tools from Raven to SpyFu to SEMrush for the search marketing side of things. Um, so it's really like a whole conglomerate of uh, of tools. Yeah. Um, so what, what's interesting in kind of what you said is. Uh, it sounds like this this has been a a transition over time. But when you got started, like a lot of these tools that I think you mentioned did not exist, right? Um, so how did you piece it together back then? Was this just a manual effort, or uh, that that's exactly what it was? Exactly what it was. We're talking like Alta Vista was still around when I got started. Did I just date myself? Yep. <laughs> hey, so, I loved Alta yeah. Vista too. It was a great search engine. Yeah. You know, I mean, we've been through a couple, like a perfect example of that, I think would be like, um, online quoting tools, right? Um, mm -hmm. we used to do like all of our proposals were manual, right? We just wrote them and, um, I would save templates and try to create templates and back then content blocks, but they were just in like word docs, you know, saved as this is this service, this is this service. Right. And it would just be a PDF that you would fax and, you know, sign and 
fax over, you know, they would hand it to you right there and you'd be like, well, can I take a photocopy? Right. You know, so it was just things like that. You know, now we've, we've been through about three different, you know, online uh, quoting tools. All of our contracts are there, you know, even our employee handbooks and everything that needs to be signed is signed and executed online from internally, you know, so it's just, uh, it's finding the right tools that won't break the bank that are actually good. Right. We're, we're in a predicament now with our new software, um, our quoting software tool, and it's terrible. Uh, so you know, you always find, you you always find that not every solution works for you, and you have to find a different one. Yeah, uh, I I will say, you know, I've been surprised when I've run into people that run businesses that are traditionally not viewed as very uh, forward and tech in, enabled. Um, that are using some of the things that we use in some of these other businesses like DocuSign and, and things like that. And I'm like, oh, it, it really tells you something about the folks that are running those businesses, that they're embracing these things that their their colleagues and competitors are not. Um, mm-hmm. So another thing that you, you kind of mentioned um, that I think is super important for founders um, is your project managers and, and finding the right people. So is there something that you do in terms of trying to find those right people? Is there interview tricks that you do or like finding and, and, you know, hunting down the right person, even if they're not looking for jobs, like what do you do to find the right people for your business? Oh, well, I'm just going to start that whole, this whole uh, part of this conversation with, let me tell you how hard it is to find the right people nowadays. (laughs) It's near impossible. Um, And you kind of think, okay, well, it's not, and I hate to say this, you know, they might not be ideal or they're not getting taught the right stuff in school. So I'm going to have to train them from start, you know, from the start, or it's that, you know, those uh, generational stereotypical mentalities that are out there and they exist, you know, for a reason. Um, They're very real. But uh, when, you know, we do go through a pretty rigorous process. So I stopped doing the initial interviews ages ago because it was frustrating um, and it was a waste of my time initially. So the managers of our departments will um, will interview. Nothing gets posted for a job opening without me giving approval, you know, on the description and everything like that, requirements, um, all of that, salary. Um, they will screen and interview first, and then they come to me. And if they pass the Jennifer test, we get, we actually give them a test, right? So say it's uh, social media. We'll give them three very different clients and have them write uh, posts, create an image and suggest ads and suggest changes to their social pages of what they think could be done better. If it's a content writer, we will give them a a blog post or a landing page to write. Um, And it's pretty easy to kind of sort out the bad from the good right at that moment. Um, you know, some people get it done in two days. Other people take a week. And after that, we just don't even bother, you know, and you can get that actual physical work back and you have a really good sense of, you know, their style, their vibe, if they would fit, you know, with certain clients that you have or in certain verticals. So really it's that test that kind of drives it home for each candidate that we bring in for an interview. Yeah. Is this something that you implemented early on in kind of the life cycle or is this something that you kind of figured out as you were going? Definitely figured out as we were going. Um, You know, you'd look at, they'd send you samples of their work, which um, to be honest with you, 
might not be their work all the time. Right. And that became pretty evident. Um, So uh, I would say that I would say we probably implemented this about seven years ago, seven, eight years ago, but it wasn't something we did for like the first half of the company's existence. And then as soon as we did that, it was one of those things like, why weren't we doing this the entire time? <laughs> like it would have saved so much heartache from like onboarding and payroll and HR and interviewing and training. Like if we just would have done this in the beginning. So. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's one of those things that seems obvious in retrospect, but that's probably what tells you it was a good idea. Um, mm-hmm. It just took you a little mm-hmm. while to find it. Yep. So um, thinking about where you are now, um, you probably, I mean, in 15 years, you've got a lot of lessons and, and probably the same thing in terms of, um, you know, what you were before you became an entrepreneur, what is it that if you could go back and talk to your pre-founder, pre-entrepreneurial self, what would you tell that person about what they should do? Uh, don't take as much crap for as long of a time. (laughs) No, really, I don't, uh. I think that would be the only lesson to myself. Like don't stay somewhere that you're not happy and you're not being treated well. Right. Um, other than that, I don't think I would change anything, you know, and, and a lot of times you'll get asked the, that this question in interviews and I don't think I would change a thing because everything you do, whether it turns out disastrous and it was a mistake or it was wildly successful, you know, you learn from that. So I don't think I would go back and do really quite anything differently. Yeah. Yeah. How is that experience of being honestly treated poorly uh, as an employee informed how you have built systems to treat your employees now, your colleagues now, not your employees? Yeah, my colleagues. Um, It's like the the founding principle of this organization. Like that's what we, we, we treat everybody very well. We don't talk down to people. We don't discriminate. We don't do anything like that. Like not in, not even like it, it's a founding principle. It's what drives us. Right. Um, and I always say that we are the most non-corporate professional and driven organization you will ever work with. We have graffiti on our walls. We have marquees, you know, hanging from actual boardwalk boards. Right. You know, we, we, uh, we go out for team activities and dinners and we go to music concerts and festivals. And, you know, we are, driven. We are passionate about what we do. We are really good at what we do, but this is not a stuffy corporate environment and will never be. Yeah. Yeah. What, what, what's the last team event that y'all did together? What's the last team event that we all did together? Hmm. I want to say it was probably a concert, (laughs) you know? Yeah, Yeah. So we do, um, we live in a music town or where our main headquarters at Asbury Park, New Jersey is a music town, you know? So, um, it's been tough to get everybody together at one time. Um, some of our employees are in Arkansas and Kentucky and of course, Cali, you know, um, which our office out there. So whenever we do have majority of people here, we'll try to go do dinner or happy hour or some sort of like team building or just hanging out activity. But especially since COVID, it's like impossible. (laughs) So, but yeah. Yeah. So, and then, um, you know, a bunch of our employees will tag along when we do our trade shows and our speaking seminars and we always do fun stuff there. You know, I always say when in Rome, so whether it be, 
you know, Vegas or Orlando or Chicago, you know, we're going to go trip around for at least a few hours a day and show them a good time and show them the city that we're in. That's great. That's great. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So uh, last uh, question for you, somebody that's thinking about taking this leap to turn their kind of idea into a side hustle or their side hustle into a, a full-time you know, business, what advice would you give them? It's a lot of work. Um, and I'm not sure that's a piece of advice, but if you want it badly enough, you have to work for it, right? And once you do come out the other end and you see, wow, I created that and I can do this and this is mine and I have that control over where it goes, you know, and I can make this happen. It's probably the best feeling, but if, you know, you just got to work for it and it's, it's a lot brighter on the other side. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, Jennifer, uh, last, really last question, where can our <laughs> listeners find and connect with you? Um, well, I have, uh, LinkedIn is probably the best bet. Um, you know, speaking of that work-life balance, I made all the other social channels private, so you're not going to get me there. (laughs) (laughs) uh, uh, The website is, um, fortunewebmarketing.com and I'm also on LinkedIn as Jennifer Ray Stein. Um, and of course the company has all of our social profiles as well. That's awesome. Thanks a lot for being (laughs) on the show, Jennifer. Of course. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Side Hustle to Small Business podcast, powered by Hiscox. To learn more about how Hiscox can help protect your small business through intelligent insurance solutions, visit hiscox.com. That's H-I-S-C-O-X.com. And if you have a story you want to hear on this podcast, please visit hiscox.com slash share your story. I'm your host, Sanjay Parikh. You can find me on Twitter at at Sanjay, that's S-A-N-J-A-Y, or on my website at sanjayparikh.com. 